Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Aideen O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Sarah Rickard, Fashion Stylist and Creative Consultant. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion, and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. Welcome to Smart Casual. This week we're going to try and tackle the weighty issue of fashion and politics how designers reflect what's going on politically around the world and how the clothes we choose reflect our own beliefs and ideas. Fittingly, our guest today is the fascinating designer Natalie B. Coleman, whose clothes always have something really important to say about the times we live in. But first, our highs of the week. Sarah. Well, my fashion high is actually a fashion low. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Subversive. So my fashion low of the week is that um, Vogue Paris are celebrating their thousand issue um, this month, the September issue. And to do so, um, they chose one model. Her name is Rianne von Rampe. She's a Dutch model, stunning girl to shoot four different covers. So she shot for four cities. So it was like London, Milan, New York and Paris. Mm -hmm. Now, I've only seen two of them. I've seen London and Milan. The London one, fittingly, is all like punk, you know, the whole punk vibe. And she looks really cool and androgynous. It was the Milan one that kind of took me aback a little. Um, She's dressed in kind of Dolce & Gabbana style and she's holding a big bouquet of flowers. But it's, it's more, she looks absolutely emaciated. She doesn't just look, she doesn't just have cheekbones. She has bones protruding under her eyes and she has no flesh. Whatever, but you still see it on the catwalks and Mm -hmm. it actually makes me feel a bit queasy and it makes me kind of want to hug my fat bits and go, go, thank you, thank you. Um, So that was something I know we normally go for our highs, but it it caught my eye and I just thought I was... Worth mentioning. Let's not bring it up. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Yeah, but it is, it does um, feel strange because we have, um, we really haven't seen those um, types of models on, in photography, in fashion photography. Ages. And on a front cover. Front cover, Vogue, Paris, um, obviously they're always kind of pushing the boundaries mm. and for their thousand issue September issue it's just so ooh. interesting when you look at what Edward Enenfull is doing exactly yeah. Yeah. British Vogue yeah. I mean, they're going in completely different directions by, by the looks of it but yeah, yeah interesting one, mm. I wonder if there'll be much of a backlash against yeah. that yeah. yeah nothing that I can see so <coughs> far but yeah I'll be mm. keeping my eyes peeled so Aideen, what about you? Um, mine's a little different than um, <laughs> I got. <laughs> that was serious, but uh, I got really excited about the new Ghani store, which opened in London on the 16th of August. Ooh. Um, this was announced back in December that they were opening a store on Beak Street, but obviously it's just opened in the last few weeks. And I love Ghani anyway. I just have a thing for it. Um, but for me what interests me is like store concepts because obviously the retail model has changed now mm. and everyone shops online so stores have to give an experience mm. so I was just kind of doing a bit of research and for like whatever extra customer experience they're going to provide um, so their big focus is on sustainability so all their display units are made from like recycled plastic and then all their trays are made from like recycled fabrics there's a garment take back scheme which I found really really interesting so customers can bring 
clothes from any brand. Doesn't matter what. Excellent. Designer wow. or high street. That's novel. Oh, H&M yeah. do that too though, don't they? They do, yeah. So yeah. Ah, sorry, yeah. you're right, they do. Yeah. They do, yeah. I just saw something on Instagram there the other day about that, yeah. Yeah, and shoes as well. And then whatever proceeds I think they make from that go to some fund that they have. Oh, Actually, that's good now because yeah. the the one in H&M, you get a you get five back, or no. voucher or something for H&M. Yeah, you no, know. this is, goes back, she back in. I didn't do the research into the fund part of it, okay. but it's obviously for like some sort of charity. Um, and then... On top of that, then they have a lot of contemporary artwork, which I love, by artists like Monica Kim Garza, and then their sculptures. And then they place the restaurant across the way from um, the founder's like favourite magazine store and restaurant in London. So they kind of want customers to make a day of it, which That's I think really is really cute. nice. Yeah, Destination like a, yeah. shopping. That's what it is. Mm. And like, if you're going shopping now, like, even say if you're going to Burn Thomas, like, it's, there's cafes or go down to Killer Village. Like, you have... Yeah. Mm, there's a lot an more than, there's, it's an experience yeah. a lot yeah. more than just going into because the store because that's the only way you'll get people away from buying online that's is to offer an experience it's yeah. not just about shopping um, but and that I, sounds like a really lovely mm. approach yeah and I like the way it's, it's like, like personal yeah and it's just it is making a do mm. Mm. and a bit of, you know you've got almost a bit of an art gallery there as well exactly like, that's the thing and interestingly actually when I was in New York earlier this year on that press trip that I had mentioned to you guys um, we visited um, Neiman Marcus the first one in New York and actually that's what they've done they've installed beautiful art on you know well not as many walls as you would like but mm. on, on some of the walls and again it's it's trying to um, create an experience so it's mm. not just about going there to shop you know and it's kind of interesting for a department store yeah. you know to you know to when take you that kind of approach that, yeah. put mm-hmm. that so, kind of weight behind to, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so it, a nice little kind of add on yeah. when you're going shopping like mm. um, so my high of the week was um, speaking with um, Lucy Downs who is a um cashmere designer, Irish cashmere designer who has been around for like a long time, 20 years. Her business has been um, wow. going for 20 years, I know. Yeah. And she's quite under the radar. She's mm. been quite under the radar. And I've always been aware of her, but I guess I've never met her. And um, we had a lovely, lovely chat because I'm doing a piece on her and um, really gave me a huge insight into her brand. And I came away just feeling that it was the most authentic brand full of integrity from you know absolutely every aspect of it in terms of materials in terms of um the sustainability of you know the dyes she uses the you know the, absolutely every element of her brand is so well considered it makes the price tag look very reasonable. Mm. It really does when you actually, you know, it's 600 euro for a sweater or something mm. like that, which, you know, on the, on the face of it is, is an awful lot of money. But, but you know, having spoken to her and like the time and commitment and thought she puts into every, you know, every yarn, every um, design detail. Mm. Um, and what about the production end of things? Is it, are, are they produced here? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, they are. Yeah. Um, and she's got a, you know, beautiful studio in, in Dublin 4 filled with, with plants. She's all about, mm. you know, the benefits of nature. She's completely against anything sort of, um, um, you know, chemical, chemicals, yeah. artificial. Toxins, yeah. Um, just that, the, the the whole full picture of the brand was so, you know, lovely yeah. and, and, and really summed up, like, I think, how we want to live and how we want to shop going forward. And I just thought, I just kind of wanted to give the brand, Sphere One, a shout out because um, really, um, you know, they're, they're pieces that are, inve- there's so much love and thought invested in those pieces. Um, 
you know, I think I think actually they're they'd be, they're worth, yeah, yeah, they'd be a, a beautiful piece to have mm-hmm. and to shop. So yeah, that. just yeah, no, it was. So you're lovely. buying into the brand too. Like you're that. buying yeah. into the brand, and you're Completely. buying into the sustainability of it, and you're mm-hmm. bra- buying into the, you know, the sort of. Um, so she takes she takes a very sort of local approach insofar as like a lot of her a lot of the hand embroidery on the sweaters um reflect um the Irish landscape and you know Lovely. I don't want to obviously give too much away because I'm yeah. going to be writing a piece about it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Word for word. Whoops. But um but yeah definitely um well you know keep an eye out maybe for the next issue of Image the October issue of Image and you can have a read about her but but really made a huge impression on me and and really summed up I think um the kind of brands women want to shop going forward mm-hmm. in terms of just um you know the kind of lifestyles that we want to live as well you know And has she always been that way or has she kind of moved always, with the times no, well, that's incredible Always yeah it yeah. is really like she's ahead of her time like yeah. for sure you Playing know the long she, game tw- she's 21 years next next year she's 21 years in business, um, which is incredible, and and mm. and you know, she said herself, she's not great at the marketing side of the business, and and certainly, you know, even for us who've been in the industry, mm. I've always known about her, but but quite, she's quite yeah. under the radar. But, yeah. but you That's know, testament she's, to the brand, though. That it's it is testament on, to the brand. It's, it, it is it. testament to the quality. And I thought, um, interestingly enough, and I have to talk, stop talking about her next. Actually, I'm literally <laughs> going to give away my piece, but. Um, uh, interestingly, um, Havan in Donnybrook was the first stockist of Sphere One, and I thought, I was like, say, what, that's a, what, yeah. what a lovely brand yeah, alliance yeah. there! Yeah. I mean, a really, really great fit. So, yeah. anyway, read the piece in the October issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop there. So, um, so this week we're tackling fashion and politics. Eek. Weighty, <laughs> very weighty, sure. intense. Um, and I, I, I guess you know we can't really go much further without mentioning the repeal movement mm-hmm. which you know is 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 probably you know the the biggest movement you know where where fashion and and politics really mm-hmm. really crossed paths um that's happened in Ireland in i don't know years and years and years mm. yeah it was it was huge and when when i was thinking of this topic that's the first one that came into my head yeah. and um so the idea was created by Anna Cosgrove and she said she was haunted obviously by what happened to Savita Halpinaver oh, and they made the jumpers as kind of in support of the women who had to travel for abortion. Yeah. So I, it wasn't in light of the referendum no, or anything like it that. Wasn't. It wasn't. It was no, just it more this kind of... A testament to, to exactly, those yeah. women. Yeah. And um, solidarity is mm. what they did it for. Um, so I don't think they understood how big those jumpers would become because... But no, everywhere. indeed. I yeah. mean, I, I, it, was, it was phenomenal. It was. It was yeah. absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, they're they're really part of Ireland's cultural yeah. zeitgeist yeah. now, aren't yeah. they? Which, yeah. which is phenomenal. Because people were wearing them two years even before the referendum. Yeah, like it was, I remember yeah. I worked in Topshop at the time, there were people coming in after the marches and stuff like that. And like it hadn't even been announced yet that they were going, we were going to vote on it. And I just thought, and it was men and women, which yeah. I thought was so lovely. Yeah. And what I, I find... I found it really emotional even thinking about it now that there was like both sexes like were coming together to support like women's rights like our rights. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and like it was so simple like black and white yeah. one word yeah. and it just when you saw someone down the street wearing it you knew exactly what they were what so they powerful. powerful. Yeah. So so powerful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was awesome and that was I suppose when I heard that you were going to be interviewing Natalie B. Coleman um, that's kind of why I thought it was important to kind of discuss politics and fashion because she is an absolute trailblazer and she's always been very outspoken about women's rights and um, for her Autumn Winter 19 collection it was all about the collaboration of sisterhood and the power of sisterhood the coming together of women and she's never been shy of making a statement I mean she had girls walking down the catwalk with guaranteed to bleed sisters emblazoned you know it was 
so powerful mm. and then for her autumn winter um 19 collection she actually collaborated with um UNFPA so it's the United yeah. Nations um it's for like sexual health yeah. and um yeah I'm going to be talking to her about all of that yeah, later yeah, yeah. so <laughs> but I I it's so she used traditional um women's craft like um sewing and needlework weaving stitching all of that and she had um the women's reproductive system um, sewn in Carrick McCross lace on one of her dresses and I mean it, it was it was so clever and so of the moment mm. really and it's just I suppose it's only these things when you start talking about them you have to start talking about them and it's uh, fashion has such power mm. and the, the designers behind it so mm-hmm. to know where she's coming from and where her head's at is really inspiring um, outwardly supporting women's rights in their Cruise 2020 collection. One jacket, for instance, had the words my body, my choice embroidered across the back while another dress had an image of the female reproductive system embroidered on it. Wow. So it, I, um, Alessandro Michelle, who is such a visionary, but also it's great to know what he stands for and the fact that such a massive brand can stand up for women's mm. rights like that. Mm. It's... Um, quite incredible. So he said um, to WWD, the only world that I can imagine is a world where every single person can be who they would like to be without any sort of restriction or judgment. My aim was and is to pass a clear and loud message about the fact that the entire Gucci community is gathered together standing for gender equality. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. I thought that was yeah. really, really can gorgeous. I ask you guys something then. So as a woman, do you want to wear those clothes that have maybe, you know, women's you know, bodily functions or whatever no, embroidered no. on them. I don't think so. No, no but I think it's an the... important statement. Oh, no, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you, I'm, I, you know, I'm just, yeah. so I'm just wondering, yeah. like, you know, does that, does that fit? I think I absolutely agree, but I'm, I'm just wondering, at the end of the day, we are also talking about clothes, mm-hmm. which for me, and I guess yeah. I, I take a very pragmatic approach to clothes. Mm-hmm. I want to wear them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Well, the, the dress was so beautiful, I would wear it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was... Uh, screaming, you know, uterus. It it yeah. was just very Subtle. delicately yeah. um, sewn onto the sleeve of yeah. one of the dresses. But the dress was absolutely gorgeous. I I probably wouldn't wear Guaranteed to Bleed, but I'm a little bit of a wuss when it comes to too. being I political. Would mm. wear I wear words. The words I would I think more than than the motifs than the, the motifs. Graphics. I think I yeah. would the words for me. I suppose statement wise I would do that I think I would wear the guaranteed for bleed, mm. to bleed I think I would I don't did maybe you have just, a repeal jumper? I did yeah and I did you? I didn't but no. I did I did want one but I, you know this me being me never quite got around mm. to sorting it Yeah so it, it, would, it would depend mm. but what I do think like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be what's written on the clothes or the motifs the embroidery anything like that like for one thing that stands out to me was at the Golden Globes in 2018 mm in light of the Times Up movement where all the women were black mm. and like that was a statement and that was just dresses See, and I they were black. I think I prefer the more subtle yeah. political mm-hmm. statements through yeah. clothes. I, I think I, I wouldn't wear Guaranteed to Bleed mm-hmm. and I wouldn't wear um you know the, uh, um, sort of a graphic of a uterus but, or But whatever. if 20 people were going to an event and you know to make a stance they all were going to wear Guaranteed to Bleed would you do it it would depend on the context I think mm. like it would depend on the context I think that's slightly different to just yeah. as an individual yeah, pick, picking yeah, yeah. up that sweater mm. when you get out of bed and, yeah. and wearing it into work or whatever but I suppose if you have more people doing it what a big thing is the sense of community like even mm. with repeat like that was a, 
it felt like a community sympathise up movement mm. like it was people coming together I think that would be much easier for you to wear mm. it you know but it depends on the person too it depends on who you are mm. as well yeah you know? absolutely I mean I think and there's different ways you can wear your clothes to yeah, a political statement you know I think as well like how we dress reflects whether we're an introvert or an extrovert or mm. you know and, and I think that all kind of ties in with, mm. with those mm. kind of um, you know statementy kind of pieces mm-hmm. and they are certainly statements absolutely um, I, and I suppose back to kind of Catherine Hamnett, you yeah. know, she was f- famous, iconic for um, her political state, her mm. political T-shirts. And before that, again, there was Vivian Westwood, and Malcolm yeah. McLaren, the whole punk movement, mm. you know, so it, this is nothing new, but yeah. no. it's a, it's showing that there needs to be change, you mm. know, and people are beginning to stand up and it's it's such a powerful medium to show that. Well, yeah. it, it shows that fashion has always and will always yeah. be used to, you know, reflect the times, the times, yeah. the culture, the yeah. the political kind of agenda. uncertainty or yeah. agenda or whatever. But I interesting that you mentioned Vivian Westwood there because I think like she was such a clever designer, I think, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in, in what she did. And, you know, when I like I, she was one of my favorite designers actually from very very early on, which is really interesting because I wouldn't like I don't have a, a punk bone in my body mm. like you know mm. literally like there is nothing there is nothing yeah. punk about me never I has been. Get your hair up in a mohawk. <laughs> well, yeah, I usually do after I take off these headphones. Actually, yeah. I, I usually I usually get a funny podcast hair kind of mohawk thing, but um, but yet she her brand was so accessible yeah. to everybody. Yeah. Every women. because it had a DIY um, yeah. element to it, yeah. you know the the safety pins, the rips, absolutely. Like you and could just the really interesting construction of the garment, exactly. So like any, one arm longer, the asymmetric, all of that. So it was so appealing to so many different types yeah. of women. So that's I like. I think I really like that sort of clever yes um, mm-hmm. agenda. Yeah, and even if you wore say like a studded collar, it yeah. meant that you were part of the punk yeah. movement. You yeah. know, it didn't yeah. have to be mm-hmm. full yeah. head toe tartan skirt, mohawk, ripped you know, yeah. sweaters, whatever yeah. kind yeah. of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think she was one of the cleverest and you know built you know what was at the the beginning you know a really kind of subversive brand yeah. that became quite quickly so, so mainstream. mainstream. Yeah, you know, and I think that's. Some, and yeah, didn't they, like Malcolm McLaren founded the, the Sex Pistols, yes. so they could carry yeah. that that kind of punk aesthetic across the water. 100% and, authentic you know, as well. Yeah, they were, you yeah. Know, just yeah. completely authentic. And I think they lived and breathed it. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Authenticity is very important when it comes to this conversation. Though. Yeah. Because I think you know the brands who are doing it because they truly believe in it. Yeah. And absolutely. you know the ones that are jumping on the bandwagon. Totally. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, to be fair, that's one thing I, I wouldn't be a big fan of of Gucci and, you know, the, the clothes and stuff. But but you cannot say that he's not, Alexander Michel isn't like completely yeah. authentic mm-hmm. in what he does and mm-hmm. believes very strongly in, in his vision. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to respect that absolutely. for sure. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And even back to like um, Jean-Paul Gaultier and yeah. the conical Bustier mm. that he put on Madonna but okay so that got all the attention but he also did it in his menswear collection mm. so it was a whole like the blurring the lines of gender mm. and you know like mm. he was really champion he, he's always used trans yeah. um, models Andre Pechet or that you know that beautiful trans yeah. model has always fronted his campaign so you really see who they stand what they stand for yeah. but like you say if that doesn't come from the beginning yeah, you know not, you can't it's not going to work and, yeah. 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 And it, I mean it's like you asked about Lucy Downs was she always like that so yeah. like, yes she was yeah, always yeah. like that in her approach and, mm-hmm. and so yeah it's the same it's 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 not about jumping on a bandwagon yeah. um, although having said that I guess it's okay if you feel particularly passionate about, about something yeah. at, yeah. to, to, to 
change direction. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, you can't. But I feel like hopes. it has to filter through the whole brand. You mm-hmm. can't just like put out a T-shirt and then be like, no. this is what we believe in. Like it has to come. Yeah from the bottom up you know yeah yeah. so do we think the clothes that we choose are political in any way I I was thinking about this I recently I suppose with the whole we always talk about now with sustainability etc yeah. um, I started wearing more vintage mm. I'm shopping less mm. fast fashion being a bit more like considered mindful, with, yeah. mindful considered with how I'm shopping so mm. I think that's kind of my statement mm. I suppose that's me and like I know a lot more people will be much more intense about it and they will completely cut everything but yeah. I'm doing it my own little way I suppose yeah. that's kind of how I show yeah. myself as political but I can't apart from the repeal jumper I don't know what clothes I wear would actually yeah. overtly say I don't think many women I don't think, think many, many women women do like I'm, I'm just no yeah. I'm trying to think of women even Throwing in Ireland now. Right now. Just now, it's, it's you can do it in subtle ways like even mm. like small things like do you know like wearing ribbons I think it was mm. Ruth Nega wore yeah. um that's right, the red Valentino. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and like things like that. So people can do it in subtle ways, mm. as we were saying. Mm. But I can't think of a woman who I've seen. Well, what about Melania wearing that? Uh, I don't really care to you. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so her jacket when she went to visit yeah. the yeah. children the of the refugees. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. was bizarre. And her fashion choice response to that, and which her was to, to wear was to the paparazzi or something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. like stop, stop, kind of sticking the middle finger on my up clothes. To like what a time to yeah. just wear it. It was just the wrong time. But mm. I was with the whole fashion and politics. What really interests me is how interested the world is on what female figures wear. Mm. Like I think that's mad. Same with Melania. Like it's just people are so obsessed. Mm. Yeah, completely. And I, and I always um, I remember I did a feature on something around that, this topic mm. a couple of years ago, and. Um, it, it was it just just talking about different political figures, um, you know, Hillary Clinton when mm-hmm. she was running and how, you know, during the various campaigns when she was running, well, when her husband was running and then when she was running and um, and how she was um, criticised and looked on. And um, what's her name? That uh, crazy Republican. Um, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Palin. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was like lambasted for the amount of money that she spent on her wardrobe mm-hmm, right. in the build up to, I don't know, was she running for vice president or something? Vice president at the yeah. time, I think, yeah. So she got huge amounts of flack uh, for the amount of money she was spending on her wardrobe. And of course, uh, Donald Trump in the run up to his um, presidency, his election, was wearing $6,000 suits. But mm-hmm. obviously... That was never yeah. mentioned, and that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, yeah like yeah, six thousand yeah. dollars suits, mm-hmm. one suit for six thousand dollars. You know, um, and I think I think you know even at that level, like the scrutiny that women get, you know, apart from you know what they wear, but how much they spend on yeah. it, and mm-hmm. the judgment is just incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but speaking about Trump, um, another way that like it was kind of this subtle kind of political statement was at his State of the Union speech. Um, earlier in the year, all the um, members of the US Democratic Party, like all the female members, mm. they all were white because, oh, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, which was, I, and they all looked they, fantastic. Yeah, they, looked they looked stunning. Are we allowed to say that? Are we allowed to comment? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Is it politically correct? <laughs> <laughs> they looked stunning. Oh, um, AOC, as they now. call her, she wore um, that gorgeous white jumpsuit. Oh yeah. my God, with the cape. She was stunning. She, I mean, she absolutely yeah. was incredible. And that was obviously... Um, they wanted the presidency away of a white because um, in line with it's always associated with the suffrage movement yeah. and then because Hillary Clinton had worn a lot of yes. white during her presidential campaign which I thought was amazing. Oh. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. good. So good. And I mean, it is powerful and I think it is powerful. One thing with all of this and all these movements and all the 
designers, blah, blah, blah. What I love seeing is like when women come together and express beliefs through fashion because that's like the language that we do really well. It is. And men have always, you know, dismissed women's fashion as being, you know, frivolous. And those, you know, those comments you hear about women and their shoes, which just do my head in you know it's it just you know it's I'm sorry it's 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 not frivolous Mm-mm. it's fun and yeah. it should be mm-hmm. fun yeah. you know and, and it it's should always be fun that we can express ourselves Absolutely. because we haven't been allowed, allowed to express we've ourselves because no, we've had no voice yeah mm-hmm. but it's like again god I'm just thinking of all my features that I've written over the years <laughs> but um you know referencing in, in one feature about um you know Princess Diana when you know she had no voice in those early years mm-hmm. and she was obviously going through you know all sorts of sort of trauma and she wore a sweater saying I'm a luxury and I think that was pretty much around the time that um Camilla and Charles had oh, reignited God. their relationship mm-hmm. that's so depressing <laughs> but such you yeah know, but it is powerful yeah, I know like, yeah such a powerful um and I, you know I I mean my limited knowledge of Princess Diana but you know just having watched documentaries and stuff on her and it's well known that she was incredibly insecure and stuff and it was almost like mm-hmm. she was telling herself yeah, that okay, yeah, as yeah, well yeah. as the world yeah. you know and self-help um, in a top absolutely mm-hmm. yeah I mean but, it's so interesting yeah, yeah it is and even I think for her and obviously it is in a way political because she was part of the royal family but when the kind of breakdown of the marriage happened like her fashion just went like whoop like absolutely. it went up and I think every time she came out she was making some sort of statement absolutely mm. I mean you know we all remember mm-hmm. the black dress at the Serpentine Gallery. Yeah. The day mm-hmm. after, I think it was revealed in the papers that Camilla and Charles mm-hmm. had been having an affair. And she absolutely rocked yes. it. Yeah. Jaw dropping. Um, Jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that was. But that's the thing. And I always coping. go back to um, that line in The Devil Wears Prada and that scene where Miranda is. This is going to be a great note to finish yeah. on. <laughs> but uh, where she's giving out to Andy for calling it stuff. Mm. And then she explains how the colours, the colour that she was wearing Cerulean. her jumper, has, yeah, has, has trickled down. She didn't even realise it. And I think people, a lot of people seem to think that fashion is just stuff, but it's not. Mm. No. It's like so it is the trickle down effect. It's going from that high, high end, the likes of Gucci, yeah. and it's trickling down. Trickling down and yeah. things that we're wearing have probably been inspired by some sort of yeah. political movement or social movement. Mm. And we should so, really educate ourselves. And we should. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thanks. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, As we head into a new month, now is the perfect time to make your way to Kildare Village to shop the array of new arrivals that have landed in some of your favourite stores like Sandro and Mesh. So I'm thrilled to welcome designer Natalie B. Coleman to Smart Casual today. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, Natalie, when I was reading about you um, in preparation for this interview, I saw that you had actually only set up your label in 2011, which I was really shocked by because you've been part of the fashion culture here, I felt, for so much longer. But it has actually only been, what, seven or eight years yeah, uh, well, it seems yeah, it seems longer. <laughs> mm, you, you, you were very successful very quickly. Yeah, I always peak um, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> then it's kind of like, <laughs> um, I think the all the jewelry I never got collection kind of resonated with a lot of mm. people, and it seemed hugely popular. So um, yeah, so that kind of got my name out there. I think. And was that a shock to you at the beginning to, you know, have that success quite early on and to have that sort of um, publicity and profile? I think I didn't really know what I was doing, you know. So there was a lot of naivety in setting up the label. But um, no, I wasn't, I was pleased with it. But I think I was, I just kind of, um, 
I don't know. I think it was, I was so busy with trying to do the production and keep up with things. So I didn't really, I don't get too excited. You just ran with it. You seem yeah. like quite a kind of relaxed person. I've only met you a couple of times, but you seem quite relaxed rather than frazzled. I, I imagine, did you just sort of go, right, I'm going to run with this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, because <laughs> you're so busy. And also I was in the middle of nowhere. And Twitter was only just taken off. There wasn't really Instagram or anything like that. So I had to go into town to get Wi-Fi and kind of hang out in the bushes to get a phone signal. So I didn't really know what was going on. So, yeah, probably the best way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Your name has popped up on this podcast over the last sort of 18 months, you know, regularly enough. I guess because you're such a prominent Irish designer and you've been referred to as a feminist designer. Is that, would you agree with that? Is that something you're comfortable with? Um, Well, I'm actually doing a master's um, at the moment in gender and women's studies in in Trinity with Catherine Lawless. She's amazing. Um, So I think it, it does inform my work, yeah. I always, you know, had, you know, very much into women, obviously, but... um. Yeah, I think it definitely informed it. And did it always inform your work? I mean, as as a student, were you, you know, do you think your approach was quite similar to what it is now? Um, did you always have that instinct, that sort of feminist political instinct in you? And, and did it translate into your, you know, um, student collections? Um, yeah, I th- remember I did a collection um, on Grey Gardens, you know, the documentary. I do, yes. Yes, that was in my degree. So I was always kind of interested in women's relationship with each other. Um, so I suppose not really political, more kind of emotional. But um, in recent years, I think you become more aware as you get older, don't you, of what's mm. going on. Um, but yeah, even as a kid, I think I was a bit like... Um, just because I'm a girl, you know, I had three brothers and my mum passed away when I was young. So, you know, I was very much surrounded by men in the country. So yeah. so did you, do you think you kind of craved like female relationships when you were young, maybe, or were intrigued by them because you maybe intrigued. didn't have them? Yeah, yeah intrigued, definitely. Well, I had my mum till I was a teenager and she was amazing. She was very much into fashion and um, very glamorous. Um and yeah, I just, there was a kind of mystery around women that, you know, women are just amazing, aren't they? Yes. Um, your clothes send out a very strong message. I mean, guaranteed to bleed. We were talking about earlier in the podcast, you know, it's yeah. just one example. Um, but what I love most about them, I think, is that they're incredibly feminine too. I mean, you're very drawn to sort of fluid silhouettes. And I mean, just looking at you today, you're wearing a really beautiful sort of long, very fluid um, piece with with frill detailing. And you would use frill detailing quite a lot in your pieces. Um, so there's a very strong juxtaposition there. And is that intentional? Um, well, I've always liked the kind of Victorian elements, I suppose, and that kind of austerity and then combined with very feminine you know, pleating and frills and I love silk taffeta. You know, I just love kind of stories behind the clothes and looking back at archival kind of pieces, but also thinking about why they were used, you know, not enough to put something from the past onto something now, but, you know, you know, who wore that? What was their job? What was their role? Mm -hmm. Why did they have that pocket or why Mm -hmm. did they have this or that? You know, and then changing that, you know, it's just kind of plain. 
That's really interesting. Just you talk about the Victorian influence because you know I always think of your clothes as being incredibly contemporary. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's quite interesting that you you I guess have translated those ideas and references, but into a into a series of collections that that really feels very modern. That's interesting. Mm. Is, is, is that? I mean, is that how you think when you're designing? I suppose I have the same kind of romantic ideas from Victorian kind of era that kind of come up um, again and again. And I normally start with a story, a narrative, and maybe text, really, or a poem or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's usually your kind of inspiration, is it? Yeah, they, like for the guaranteed to bleed. Um, a lot of people told me not to do that, you know, that it wouldn't sell and nobody wear it and, you know, it wouldn't be good for the label. But I just thought, forget, <laughs> I'll do it anyway. Good for you. So, um, and it was, it's been interesting. Like there was a piece about, um, there's a documentary maker, um, she's at Lab Collaborate, I think, on Instagram and she um, just wrote a piece, she but the guaranteed to bleed, and she's doing a documentary, which um, I think the UN have kind of supported it um, about periods, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, around reproductive health and everything else. And she just wrote a piece about what it feels like wearing one of the tops, you know, like what comments are made, oh, or how you know sometimes people can shout something at her, but you know how she's she's kind of gotten more comfortable wearing it. And it starts conversations and, you know. That's so, so interesting. I'll have to read that. Yeah. So it's good to get that kind of feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, it sounds like there's a sort of a, a process you go through when you're wearing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, she said, obviously, there's initially you get maybe some not so positive comments, but then you probably get more comfortable with the piece yourself. And, yeah. and yeah. maybe it gets a different reaction then. It's fascinating. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I was looking at your website as well, and I, I read something interesting and that I wanted to ask you about. Um, you describe um, your work as, you know, that you've developed a modern Irishness. Um, explain that to me. I suppose it's kind of with Malloy and Sons, which a lot of people are doing now. But, you know, just, um, you know, how they weave is really beautiful. And, you know, the Donegal wool and the colours from the hills and everything like that. Like, it's so gorgeous. And um, John England, we worked with them last season as well and visited their factory. Um, So it's lovely to use linens and wools and, you know, even working with you know, lace, Cartman Cross lace, which is where I'm from, that we had nice. in the last collection as well. So it's kind of using those techniques and skills and, you know, really beautiful craftsmanship and making it contemporary, mm. I suppose. So you're, it's interesting, you're a strong supporter of women, but you're a strong supporter of local businesses as well and local craftsmen by the sound of it. Is that important to your business? Oh, definitely. Like we make everything now in the studio, everything from the mainline collection. I'm a small business as well, so I definitely support Mm. others. What labels do you wear apart from your own? I'm always interested to hear from um, designers. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen you. I mean, as I said, we've only met a few times, but I don't think I've seen you in anything other than your own label. Do you wear any other labels? Um, I love Celine. I have some kind of bonkery things from like Dolce and Gabbana that are not very PC, I suppose. Now nobody likes them, but kind of crazy stuff that I got a few years ago. Loads of flowers and orange edging, and but um, I don't really. It's kind of 
depends. If I see something and I absolutely love it, then I'll get it. But it's not, I don't have a go-to mm-hmm. kind of person. I admire a lot of work of different people. I used to always just shop vintage, but um, that was growing up. I used to wear crazy stuff. Really crazy. <laughs> and how has your style changed as you've gotten older? I don't really, I used to dress up a lot more. I used to be, um, before I had my label, you know, I was very much into, I suppose I was my own story or whatever. But now I don't, I throw on whatever, <laughs> whatever is the closest. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Like I don't even look in the mirror. So yeah. <laughs> it must be um, so great though to be able to, you know, pull on your own pieces, like just this incredible dress that is a one piece. It's so statement, dramatic, beautiful. Just grab that and go. Yeah. I like a kind of grungy look, I suppose, as well. I like the big oversized jumpers and voluminous skirts mm-hmm. and that kind of Marc Jacobs, 80s kind of vibe or Nirvana, you think, you know. Cool. <laughs> um, your brand has, um, you know, quite a strong philanthropic side to it, um, from what I can tell. Um, you've um, 10% of profits from your sister's collection go to the UN Population Fund and five euro from your girl gang, sorry, your girl gang collection goes to Plan International. Is that important to you, that side of the business? Um, you don't see that so often? Um, yeah, I think so because it helps the consumer to be part of the whole thing as well. And it makes... You know, then they're making a conscious buy and they're telling the story of that. And, you know, it just has a kind of more feel good. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I think what the UNFPA, that's been amazing collaboration. Mm. And tell me how, how that came about. And the collection Guaranteed to Bleed was um, presented in New York and to people who work at the office of UNFPA, um, the United Nations Population Fund. Um, saw the collection and thought it aligned with the messaging that they're giving out, which is all around reproductive health and maternal health and gender equality. And they wanted to partner with kind of different people um, that might get this story heard in, in new ways. So they emailed me and spoke to me about a partnership. So we launched... I did the Sisters Collection and we launched that at London Fashion Week. Um, and it was really beautiful. Ashleen Farnella um, styled it for me and loads of people got involved. Can you describe the Sisters Collection? It was, it's the mainline collection that is kind of using, I suppose, what is traditionally seen as very female-centric um, kind of needlework, stitching, knitting, um, lace making so there's a lot of hand you know handwork in it so they're all very kind of special pieces and there's a lot of print detail that is kind of telling the story um, so maybe using things like I found an image from I think it was like the 15th century um, that was um, the horned uterus so it was kind of like when they thought the uterus was this kind of floating thing that went around the body causing hysteria you know and so we kind of changed that. I worked with John Slade, who's an amazing illustrator. 
and he um, kind of made we changed it from horned uterus into something that looks very empowering and almost is like a kind of call to arms and then we use things like the word vagina originally means sword holder so we changed that into a kind of symbolic almost opening it's like a crest with a sword holding it up and star and the blood for um, anyway, bloody blood, blood, but um, they're really strong image imagery, and it's they're printed on gorgeous silks. And I would have looked at the Met Archive at a 18th century wedding dress and kind of taken elements of that as well. So that references child brides. Um, so they do a lot of work, United Nations, to try to end FGM. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make a very beautiful collection that was symbolic of the idea of sisterhood and these kind of skills that would have that would kind of um, connect women all mm-hmm. over the world and that would have been ways for women to raise equity and independence and families and wow. everything else. Like Carrot McCross Lace making a dress of that used to get a woman over to America to start a new life. You know, so it was really amazing to use Carrot McCross Lace that would be more traditionally seen as using quite religious motifs and instead making a reproductive system out of in lace. You know, that was these amazing sleeves that were just gorgeous. There's so many layers to your work. I mean, it's quite phenomenal just hearing you talk about it. I mean, there's so many considered elements. There's so much history there. Um, There's, you know so many kind of almost agendas there as well or or maybe not agendas but things you're trying to say through your clothes I mean that's kind of, it's kind of mind-blowing to, to think about how much goes into a collection a garment yeah there was a lot like the the lace the linen and lace dress was stunning do you know it was it's actually like a wedding dress and then we had like a heart flower where the heart is and the petals are falling off and going from white to pink to a kind of a sea of red at the bottom. And then the whole female reproductive system was then redone in with a kind of beading and embroidery at the front as well. So I worked with loads of um, Jill Jill DeBrecca did yes. that piece um, in the front for me. So it was really amazing to work with all these different women. Um, we had beautiful knit as well with the female reproductive system before Gucci did it let me just say <laughs> but um, yeah so it was it was very beautiful I think the presentation as mm. well and yeah. wonderful that you're showcasing other designers skills as well you know Jill de Berger, for instance I mean I think that's that's phenomenal as well that one piece can reveal so much about I guess the kind of create creativity and talent yeah. in Ireland yeah well the lace maker it, like the lace is just stunning and Teresa Kelly did the sleeves on that piece for me um, and it would have taken her like 30 hours to do one wow one uterus <laughs> wow that's incredible yeah. do you enjoy that um, level of collaboration yeah mm. definitely is that is that something you kind of think is really important to your brand yeah, I think you like you can't do everything, you know, and it's much more interesting to work with other people and for your ideas, you know, to see how other people work with that and mm. somebody can add, you know, it from must their keep skill. your you must feel there's always a freshness then to your pieces and your collections because of that extra input, I guess. 
Yeah, like we did a casual line as well. That's kind of like the supporting line, so it's more accessible. And that's all hoodies, sweaters, T-shirts. So it's unisex and it's all sustainable um, and it's screen printed in Dublin. And they're really cool. They're gorgeous. And that was with John Slade, you know, using all of those kind of subverting, I suppose, those kind of more masculine ideas of what female sexuality is or you know that that really annoys me that kind of idea of women always being judged for reproductive value you know Mm -hmm. or seen as that you know their sexuality as that rather than you know enjoyment Mm -hmm. so you wouldn't really necessarily you know they're not in your face you know they're they're, it's not like big bold writing or anything like that like they're very beautiful you know you can hear the story behind them if you want yeah. you know but, but it's not in your face yeah, yeah I like it it's more subtle as well um, but it also you know has a nice swing tag on it that tells a little bit about the work of United Nations Population Fund fantastic yeah. fantastic that and it's actually been an incredible um, initiative to, to work on I mean it was to, brilliant it to was work amazing with that kind of organisation yeah. Going to the UN offices in New York for a meeting, I was like, oh, my God. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. And I met Dr. Natalia Kanim when she was over here um, a few months ago um, just for a meeting. And she's executive director of the United Nations Population Fund. And she's just so inspiring. Yeah. And they've actually hooked me up with... Um, Elbai, who's a, that's, do you know Natalia Vodanova? You know, yes, the, the former model. Yeah. Yes. Um, she She's has, a philanthropist now, yeah, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. So she has a charity. It's like, so making things that are seen as quite taboo into the public um, domain. Yeah. And uh, hosting events, maybe in places like Turkey or, you know, where these conversations aren't, aren't, aren't being happening being ha- as much. Had, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, people would make pledges that they would follow through. So there's an action based around it. It's not just talking to maybe spend so much on advertising that would be over the city that would be about, you know, um, around reproductive health okay. or, um, you know, young girls or whatever else and kind of empowering and about gender equality. So they are having a panel discussion in Nairobi in November for the the summit that's happening there and so they've they're going to bring me over to be on that as well so oh, fantastic yeah, what so, an incredible experience that will be yeah because it's the 25th anniversary of when sexual reproductive health was declared uh, right it's only 25 years ago you that's, know it's pretty hard to believe isn't it it's not really when you look at the, what's it's happening well, I guess the world, not when you think, but it is crazy yeah, you think back yeah. to appeal, but you know when I think I'm nearly 45 and it was only 25 years ago you yeah. know it's, yeah it's crazy yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite collection uh, of my own, of your own, yes. Uh, um, each one I like. I I think this one is my current favorite. Do you always think that though? That the latest is the favorite? No, sometimes like most of the time when I do something, I hate it. You know, <laughs> I just you know, and then it takes me a while because I think it's so much in your head and in mm-hmm. the studio, and then suddenly you have to show it to people, or you know, and then I'm like, oh my god, but um. Yeah, this one. And I, I do have a soft spot for all the jewellery I never got because I, I just find it quite funny. Yeah. 
So, And finally, just to finish up, Natalie, you also among, I mean, you're pretty phenomenal with your two children and your your own brand and you're studying a master's and you also um, lecture in NCAD. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about um, NCAD and what you teach there and sort of what it's like to, I guess, nurture young talent. Yeah, I'm very lucky um, to to be in NCAD and to work alongside a really great team, um, as you know, Linda Byrne. Um, she's fabulous, and Angelo Kelly, who's the best boss ever. Oh, and she was she was a guest on this podcast. was was fantastic to speak with. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. There's a lot changing around education, I think, mm-hmm. and especially with design. So it's um, yeah, it's good to be a part of that and to see young minds and young creativity, mm-hmm. you know, grow. Yeah, sounds like a great space for you to be in as well, just given all your, your ideas and how kind of socially minded and politically minded you are as well. I mean, to bring that to young students is incredible. <laughs> I don't know. They're probably like, oh, my God, what is she talking about again? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. I love it. Oh, listen, Natalie, thanks so much for coming in. Um, wonderful to speak with you and um, continued success. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify.